It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Friday. Happy December to you. By the way, I have some, I'm James Rapine, by the way. I have some logic for you, a little logic. Your New Year's resolutions, you start them today. Start your New Year's resolution today. And by 2018, it'll be a habit. Or close to being a habit, and you'll actually finish what you started. Instead of starting it January 2nd when you're hungover, because January 1st, you could barely roll out of bed. I'm James Rapine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on Twitter, at James Rapine, at Locked On Bengals. Thank you so much for tuning in on a Friday special show ahead. Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com. As always, we're on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, which is iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. And I want to start, before we get to our very special podcast today, and it is, it's very, very special, just a reminder, search Draft in your app store. Check out Draft. Use the promo code LONFL, like Locked On NFL. LONFL is going to get you a free entry into the Draft app. You can try it for free. And basically what it is, it's a one-week fantasy football site. Fantasy site. You could do NBA too, by the way, if you want to. But it's a one-week fantasy site that you use, and you draft your players in less than five minutes. You don't have to worry about injuries or salary cap. And with your season-long leagues going in the pooper, which a lot of them are, including mine, so don't take that you know, too, to heart too much because odds are a lot of our, our leagues, well, we're getting phased out and not making the playoffs like the Bengals might not. But their playoff hopes are still alive. And to talk more about it is John Ledyard of the Locked On Steelers podcast. That's right. This is a Locked On crossover. John, these are always fun. I appreciate the time. We're going to go back and forth about Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. But how fitting is it? Five and six, the Bengals dig themselves out of 0-3 and three and, three and six. Now they're five and six, have a chance, legitimate playoff hopes, but the Marvin Lewis era, their playoff hopes this entire season and maybe more coming down to a matchup against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's pretty funny that, you know, all of that these two teams have been through back and forth and the Bengals, you know, losing eight of the last nine against Pittsburgh and obviously having a lot of struggles in Cincinnati against the Steelers uh, as of late. I don't think they've beaten the Steelers there since 2013. And so, you know, it kind of, it's, it is, it's funny that it comes down to this because for Cincinnati, the playoffs are still very much in the picture because the AFC is so bad, not necessarily because they've been great or anything, but if you get to six and six, the rest of their schedule is decently manageable. And for Pittsburgh, the division's kind of all but wrapped up, but uh, you really need to, I mean, you're, you're trying for that number one seed. You don't want to have to go to New England. You still have to play New England later in the regular season. I, I still, I think New England's a better team. I don't see Pittsburgh winning that game. So I think that a lot kind of rides on this and every other game for the Steelers if they have that number one seed hopes because you know they're hoping 
you can get to the point where New England might slip up and the Steelers don't want to be that team that slips up. So less at stake certainly for the Steelers, but at the same time, there's still still something there. And anytime you play Cincinnati, the competitive juices are always flowing pretty freely. Make sure you follow John on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. I'm on Twitter at James Erpine. And make sure you check out Locked On Steelers and LockedOnBengals.com. It's so interesting. I did see Ben talk about it earlier this week. Well, let's start with Tomlin. Mike Tomlin says that something about New England, and you can refresh my memory, but basically they know they're going to have to play New England in Week 15, and they know they'll probably play them again with more at stake, and it's about where they're playing that second time that matters. What do you think about Mike Tomlin discussing that with the public uh, so freely. Yeah, I, I like that Tomlin's transparent about it. You know, I mean, I, they're really, people make a big deal out of it, but inside Pittsburgh, it really, it shouldn't be a big deal. I mean, I know people are going to, so I've just kind of ignored the whole dialogue there. And I think that's what the Steelers do. They just, they know what their goals are. They know who stands the best chance of preventing them from their goals. And they know that to get there, you're going to have to be New England. This isn't like a, you know, the New England second or third year doing this. You know, if you're Pittsburgh, you know who you're going to have to face at the end of the year, you know, barring injury. So if you're not making roster moves and, and game planning things and doing things with the idea of beating them in mind, I think you're very foolish as a football team because that has to be the goal. That's the team that can stop you. You know, Kansas City hasn't, hasn't done anything to stop Pittsburgh in the last couple of years. Uh, and you can say that for a lot of the other top teams in the AFC. And even a lot of those top teams aren't really, you know, quote-unquote, your typical top teams. Um, and so I think that because of that, Pittsburgh's got their eyes out of New England, and that's a good thing. I don't think they can let it distract them on a week-to-week basis, though. Um, and I don't know that they've necessarily done that. I think what you're just seeing is what's always happened with Pittsburgh. They they always play down the competition level. They can they come up with wins, but they hardly ever blow anybody out. If they do, it's late in the game when they extend the lead a couple scores, and you know, kind of like they did last time with Cincinnati, very very lackadaisical to, for the first most of the three quarters, and then. You come out, you put the game away, and you finish things off. That's just kind of how they are. They're not like New England every week that they go out and they take it to people and then it's done. You know, So the reality is we don't really know a lot about the Steelers team because they've played maybe two of the other top ten teams in the NFL. If you want to consider Jacksonville in that mix, that's fine. They played Minnesota week two, beat them. I don't think anyone thinks that is the same Minnesota team that we see now that's a nine and two and one of the best teams in the NFL. I don't think anyone believes that it was Case Keenum's first start of the season and they were just kind of still getting acclimated. Everybody was. So really I don't, the Steelers just have not played great competition all season long. Um, so I think it, it really does come down to how are they going to do when they face better quarterback play? I mean, Andy Dalton came out last time they played and he looked, he looked unbelievable for the first couple of drives. <laughs> yeah. And then the wheels came off and he looked like old Andy Dalton and the Steelers shut him down and they did some good things. But, again, it comes down to a question of a quarterback's on and the Steelers win those kind of games. And I, I think defensively they'll have their issues. I think the answer is offensively, you know, they have to be able to win some shootouts. And they look like they're getting closer to that point. My question for you is, speaking of offenses that are getting closer, the Bengals seem to be really good in the red zone on the road. And at home, it's been a mess for the red zone. So yeah. what, what is up with the red zone issues and, and good things in Cincinnati this season? How can they kind of take a lot of those things that they've done on the road and implement them at home because typically you see it the other way around. You see home success and road struggles. That's how the Steelers were on offense last year. 
know, with the Bengals, it's been reversed uh, a little bit, which is odd. And is that all on Andy Dalton? Is it the offensive line? What is it exactly? Well, it started with the first two games. They were just dreadful, and they were both at home, mm-hmm. scored nine points, didn't didn't have a touchdown through two games, fired Ken Zampezi. And that's where those numbers are skewed a little bit. I will also say they played Buffalo at home. They They struggled on offense against Indianapolis at home had good showings on the road against Green Bay on offense uh, for the most part. A couple weeks ago against Denver, they had every time they got in the red zone, they scored a, a touchdown, but they just couldn't get to the red zone much. So, so they were efficient when they got there. So I, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if it's a mixture of just luck or it, it working at spots because I traveled, I have family in Jacksonville, and I watched them play the Jaguars. And they were they luckily scored points in that game. I mean, they were they were dominated, and AJ Green got ejected. And it's just yeah, th- this offense, and it's been the thing, John, that that's so maddening with this Bengals team to me is I watch Pittsburgh virtually every week for either fantasy purposes because I have Antonio Brown, or, or because it's Pittsburgh and they're on prime time, or whatever their case may be. And right. Mike Tomlin's squad is going to live and die with its best players. They're either going to try to get the ball to Antonio Brown, they're going to feed Le'Veon Bell, and if they lose, they lose. But that's what's going to happen. Here in Cincinnati, there are plenty of times, game on the line. I'll give you an example. Uh, they played Na- uh, They played in Nashville. They played the Titans. And they were down, uh, they were down by three points. And A.J. Green, they didn't have any points in the second half until they finally gave A.J. Green a ball, and he took it to the house, a 70-yard post route. But he wasn't mm-hmm. getting targets. Like, like so, right. so to me, go, going into to Monday night, and I know the Steelers usually take away A.J. Green. I, I know that they do well against the run and, and will probably contain Joe Mixon because the Bengals haven't been able to run it on anybody except Cleveland on Sunday last mm-hmm. week. They got to find a way to get the ball to their best players because I know one thing. I know Ben Roethlisberger. I know the Pittsburgh Steelers. Regardless of what defense the Bengals play, they're going to get the ball to their best players. Yeah, and it's funny because I think, generally speaking, you're right. The Steelers do rely on their best players to win football games, which you know seems to make sense. But for whatever reason, not every team does that, and Cincinnati has struggled to do that consistently. But Pittsburgh has not had a ton of success with their stars against Cincinnati, which is why it's so unusual that this this series has been so lopsided recently. You know, yeah. even if you look, I don't know if any team in the NFL has done as well on Antonio Brown as the Bengals have. And I think some of that is other factors too. I, I mean, Brown's always going to get open. And I, I would say Brown has the opportunity for a 100-yard receiving game in just about every game, but they've still done a good job of limiting the damage. You know, if you go back over his last five games against Cincinnati, here's what he has. Six for 47, seven for 87, and a pretty good game uh, for the Steelers. Um, in 2015, and then four catches for 39 yards and three catches for 58 yards last year, and then earlier this year, four for 65 and a touchdown, and he certainly looked good on the first drive, I think it was, of the game this year, but after that, he was kind of erased through the rest of the game and didn't really have as much of an impact despite 10 targets. So in the last three matchups, really every time the Steelers play the Bengals, to be honest, he's getting double-digit targets and only coming up with about half of those, which is way less than what he and Ben typically do when they're connecting. I think in the last, was it 30 or 20, 26 targets for him the last three times these teams have played, and he's only caught 11 of them. So it's a big difference from what from the connection that they typically have. Ben Roethlisberger also hasn't played his best games against Cincinnati. He hasn't been 
over 59%. He hasn't completed even 59% of his passes the last three times the two teams have played. He was good enough last game, certainly, but 14 to 24, you know, 224 yards, didn't commit any, any interceptions. That's probably the big one, but that's really how it's gone for Pittsburgh. They've won these games mostly off of defense, off of forcing the Bengals into mistakes. Even if you go back to the playoff game, you know, Ben, 18 to 31, 229 yards, one touchdown, was sacked three times, didn't throw a pick. But if the Steelers avoid turnovers and they, they're constantly forcing the Bengals into mistakes, that's the formula for success against Cincinnati. It hasn't been this overwhelming output of the stars. You know, and when Ben threw three picks in the game and he was the one making mistakes, that's the one Cincinnati won, 16 to 10. And so I think that's been the key for Pittsburgh, avoiding the mistakes and forcing Cincinnati into it. It's almost a completely different blueprint than when they play any other team. Because typically it's the Steelers trying to pile out points to get out of people. Or lately this season it's been the defense shutting people down while the offense kind of sputters along. But to rely on turnovers and mistakes from another team when Pittsburgh's usually the one ones committing them, especially against worse uh, opponents, that's been an unusual blueprint for Pittsburgh that hasn't really happened. And Dalton's actually done a pretty good job recently of avoiding those kind of mistakes, which I think bodes well for Cincinnati. This is a Locked on Bengals, Locked on Steelers crossover. He's John Ledyard. I'm James Erpine. Yeah, the, the one thing I could say w- with Andy Dalton, and I, I've nicknamed him Blandy Dalton because to me, he's just he's just okay. I, it's it's the same yeah. old thing, and I get ripped for it, and other people agree. But to me, Andy Dalton, he needs to be able to find a way to, especially in the red zone. You mentioned the red zone at home. AJ Green, they got in the red zone those first couple games this year, wasn't mm-hmm. getting targeted in the red zone. There are times when they'll have first and goal on the seven and be forced to kick a field goal and A.J. Green's not targeted, he's not used. Like, that's the thing. This this offense has had so many struggles up uh, throughout this year. It, it ju- like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like, okay, well, our ni- the ninth overall pick isn't playing. The offensive line's struggling. Andy Dalton is what he is. Maybe we should just throw it up to A.J. Green and see if he can make a play. And there are times when they could try to do that, and they haven't, and, and I, I don't know why, but I will say this. You, you mentioned just how these games go. A lot of people in Cincinnati are, are negative about Monday night. They, they, they feel like there's a reason, because the Steelers have won eight out of nine. But I've been mm-hmm. telling people it's going to be probably within ten. I mean, it's going to be a one-possession game for most yeah. of it because a lot of these games have been, and, and whoever does make that mistake – Maybe Vontez Perfect actually shows up this round because he didn't in Pittsburgh. Maybe he shows up and forces a turnover. But but if it comes down to to turnovers and if it the game goes like we have seen in the past earlier this year, even it's going to come down to one or two things, and and those two things could could either be a bo- a boost for Pittsburgh, which is more likely, or or a, a win for Cincinnati, which would be a little shocking. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, it really has been a, an unusual series to watch because, yeah, you look at the 8-9, you'd think Pittsburgh's just kind of dominated every second of this matchup. And But you said it, even when it's been multiple scores, think back to that 42-21 game that Pittsburgh won in 2014. Uh, the one I think, I think I told you this, I, was, I remember because my wife and I were on our way back from our honeymoon and we were like running through the airport trying to find a TV because we knew that the <laughs> game was really close. And I think A.J. Green lost Ike Taylor for a touchdown and it was a, it was a close game in the second half, and then the Steelers pulled away and doubled them up and won 42-21, or almost doubled them up and won 42-21. You look at that and you think, okay, this is a team that, you know, 
crushed Cincinnati, you know, but that's not how it actually went, even with the score that lopsided. And then the last couple, of course, you know, I know they had that 33-20 victory in 2015, but the last three, 24-16, 24-20, 29-14, that was this season, and that's the one we know really wasn't that close when we watched it. I mean, the Steelers pulled away at the end, but uh, that was a that was a very close game uh, through into the second half. And I know it maybe doesn't feel that way to Bengals fans because there's not much faith that Andy Dalton can be the guy to get stuff done against Pittsburgh in the clutch moments. And I get it. I mean, the reality is in their last five matchups, four touchdowns, six interceptions, you know, that's not the number. So, or the play, really, if you look at it, his performance across the board of a guy who is confident in this matchup against the Steelers. So, you know, I think that Andy Dalton has played much better recently, which bodes really well for Cincinnati. He hasn't thrown an interception since going back to the Steelers game where he threw two in that game. And, uh, he had thrown two the week before as well. So there was kind of a rough stretch there where everybody was down on Dalton. And he certainly hasn't been great since then. Um, and certainly the competition hasn't been overwhelming either, beating Denver and beating Cleveland uh, the last two weeks. But the last three weeks, he's thrown seven touchdowns, zero interceptions. His ratings have been back up. He's managed the football you know, decently, and he's never going to be a guy that completes a high percentage of his passes. But even if Dalton had come into this game playing at an MVP level, would it change your confidence any based on the way that he's typically played against Pittsburgh during his career? That That's a good question. I, I will say in 15, he breaks his thumb. I think it was week 13 at Paul Brown Stadium. I was confident they were yeah. going to win that game. Um, yeah. So, so the one time when he was playing at that MVP caliber level, I thought – but but everything was perfect around him. Offensive coordinator right. was great. Offensive line was great. The team really wasn't flawed anywhere. Uh, but to me, this is one of those games for for Marvin mm-hmm. Lewis and for Andy Dalton, where you do it. You, they hear it like athletes know people like me that that I I've nicknamed him Blandy Dalton for a reason. But he can end that, or at least it could go a long way in, in changing that narrative by going out there throwing three touchdowns. Uh, here, here's the perfect example. Brett Hundley, how he played at Heinz Field mm-hmm. on Sunday night football, right? Right. I don't think Andy Dalton can do that. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. Brett Hundley, and he doesn't right. have A.J. Green. But season on the line, be, be, do what Brett Hundley did. Uh, and, and I know the, the Packers lost, but if he does that with the Bengals' defense at home, they'll probably win. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, agreed. The Bengals defense played well. Let's talk about the running game, too, for Cincinnati, because you mentioned it. It's been a struggle all season long. When Dalton's been his best in his career, it's been typically when he's got a run game to balance things out. They haven't really had that this year. A lot of the fault falls on the offensive line. There's been some back and forth with Joe Mixon and Le'Veon Bell, some real passive-aggressive, goofy stuff. I think you and I just kind of laugh at it. It's you know, kind, of, kind of fun. It adds to the rivalry, I guess. You know, I know they don't face each other on the field, so I don't know how much it really matters, but you know, Bell joking that Mixon's trying to imitate him. And I think Mixon's heard for a long time similarities between he and Bell. They look similar. And even in college, I guess some people thought they ran similar. I don't I didn't necessarily see that. But, you know, both versatile guys that can catch the football and split out wide and do some receiver-like things. And is there a chance Mixon really gets going at this point? You know, is, is, it, is there enough improvement on the offensive line that he really gets going? Or is it just kind of going to be a flash and then disappear, not, not through any fault of his own? Uh, but is that kind of going to be what the expectation will be the rest of the season for Mixon? Yeah, John, it's funny you mentioned Mixon because obviously coming off of his best game of the season, but against Pittsburgh, he was having a good first half. Right. And, and, and that was up until last week against Cleveland. 
that first half was the only time this year. You know, it was really only two runs. I, I think he had like eight mm-hmm. touches, but it was two runs where the majority of those yards came from. The best half of football the Bengals had had running the ball was against Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Right. And, yeah. and the, the thing with that, to me, is afterwards. And it kind of stems back to, to what has, has gone wrong with this offense. After the game, Joe Mixon says, man, I, I see Le'Veon Bell's getting 30 touches. I have it, I've right. got one more touch the second half. And that's the thing is that they're going to have to stick with the running game. They're going to have to find a way for it to work. Uh, it it's there. There has been improvement throughout the week. Like it, it's gotten a little better and a little better, and then it it was pretty good and and well, really good actually against Cleveland. I don't think they're going to be really good against that Pittsburgh front. I just mm-hmm. the, the the realist in me says that that's not possible because that yeah. that offensive line just isn't that good. But if you could get Joe Mixon three and a half to four yards a carry, even three and a half against Pittsburgh. Right. Wh- that that'll work. The, the the thing that's plagued this Bengals running game the most has been they'll run for four yards or five yards, they'll pick up a first down, and then they'll lose four yards on a handoff to Mixon and it's second and fourteen. And then right. a bad offensive line, Andy's behind the chains, and it's a, a three and out, or it, it's an instant punt essentially when that happens. So if they can avoid that and get three and a half to four yards to carry, that would be huge for them. I just don't know if they can do it because, you know, Mike Tomlin, that defense, they're looking at the first half and they're saying, well, Joe Mixon had these two runs. If we take these out, the Bengals don't have a running game at all in, in, in that first matchup. And if they take that right. away, who knows what Dalton would have looked like in that first half. So, so that really is right. a key to Monday is establishing that run game. Yeah, and the Steelers have been pretty good against the run so far this season. Um, you know, they've done some good things, but they've also had some moments like Green Bay where it looks like, okay, they're wilting a little bit. You know, there's they haven't been pushed around much up front, and I don't see that happening. But the linebackers can be a little bit enigmatic, and some of the box fills from everybody, from, you know, safety coming up and corners on the outside, that's actually been their biggest issue against the run. It's funny because a lot of people will think, oh, run defense, that's your front seven. Well, not in today's NFL at all. Your corners and your safeties have to be able to play the run, and that's really been Pittsburgh's biggest issue. Um, you know, so there are some weaknesses there for the for the Bengals to exploit. And defensively, the Bengals are going to be formidable. I mean, this is the number one red zone defense in the NFL. Their pass rush is so much different and better than the last couple of years because even though Carlos Dunlap, to me, he's just a guy. Carl Lawson has been phenomenal as a pass rusher. They've got something going in some packages with Chris Smith inside. Geno Atkins is Geno Atkins. This is the best Bengals pass rush and most dominant pass rush that we've seen from Cincinnati. And when was the last time? You knew better than I. When was the last time they had a rush this good up front? This good? I don't know if there is. Honestly, Oh. It's in ages. <laughs> I, I, it, there might not be one in the Marvin Lewis era this talented because you have yeah. Geno Atkins, you have Billings in Glasgow next to Atkins rotating there, and then the, the edge guys. Carl Lawson's just a man child. I mean, that dude. He's awesome. He's a rookie, and he's, I mean, defensive rookie of the year, like maybe, probably. He's, he's in the conversation. It's he and Marshawn Lattimore, in my opinion. He, Marshawn Lattimore, maybe Detroit Tredavious White, but those are the guys. Those are the guys. Yeah, I mean, such a steal in the fourth round, and uh, Jordan Willis has contributed as well. By the way, this is a Locked On Bengals, Locked On Steelers crossover. I'm James Rapine, along with John Ledyard of Locked On Steelers. Great to have you in. Huge matchup on Monday Night Football. Bengals-Steelers, we really appreciate you tuning in here on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Here's the thing, though, John, and it's it's something I got to ask you, because every week a team goes into it and says, well, we need to stop Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) But that's what the Bengals need to do because – and they got beat up by Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson last week, and part of that might have been just not being that engaged, going against the Browns at home, probably knowing you're going to win. Like, okay, but if they don't stop Le'Veon Bell, Carl Lawson's not going to be able to get after Big Ben because there won't be many pass rushing downs. You know, so right. to, to me, Le'Veon Bell, just containing him at least some has uh, got to be the key for this Bengals defense. Yeah, it is, and I mentioned that the Stars haven't really done that much against Cincinnati. Well, that's a little bit of a lie because Le'Veon Bell certainly had his moments against Cincinnati. It took him 35 touches, 35 carries to get to 134 rushing yards against Cincinnati, so only an average of 3.8 yards per carry. So he wasn't gashing Cincinnati, but again, it goes back to what you are saying about Mixon. There was a balance. There was a steadiness to the Steelers' run game against the Bengals. There was a grinded out kind of finish them off mentality in a, in a war through, and eventually they were able to establish the run and get to where they need to go. And then, of course, three catches for 58 yards and the stiff arm hurt around the world on Drake Kirkpatrick. And, you know, the last time they played Cincinnati, 23, last time he played them uh, in 2016, 23 carries, 93 yards, the five catches, 38 yards. So he's had more success, you know, a little over four yards per carry on that game. He's had more success than other Steelers stars have against the Bengals. Of course, one of his best games going back to 2014, we need 185 yards and two touchdowns on the ground in that 42-21 game we were talking about. So he's probably been the most successful stealer against the Bengals. I don't think the narrative that he owns the Bengals is quite accurate. Uh, like, I don't think he killed this team like he's killed Kansas City and killed Buffalo and killed Tennessee in the past. Um, but at the same time, he's had probably had more success than Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown against this team. But the Bengals are really tough up front. Uh, I'm surprised that he got to where he got last game. I know the Steelers stuck with it on the run, 35 carries. I'm not sure he gets 35 carries this week, you know, because I think the Bengals are tough up front, and I think the Steelers are feeling good about their passing game and the play of Ben Roethlisberger, but this is going to be a big test for the Steelers' offense in two ways. They've gotten it rolling the last couple weeks. They put up 40-some on Tennessee. They put up 31 on the Packers, and I know that's not a great defense in, in Green Bay, but the Steelers' offense, I mean, that would have been worse if they had They turned it over twice in Green Bay territory, and they turned over another time just on their side of the 50. That offense is rolling only three turnovers, and really losing the turnover battle 0-3 is what even made that game close, to be honest. So if the Steelers can avoid those types of mistakes, that's the big key. If that offense avoids those types of mistakes, they can be as dominant as they looked at times against Green Bay and throughout most of the game against Tennessee. And I'm not sure that there are a lot of defenses in the NFL that can really handle them, but that balance of being able to establish it is key. I don't think the Steelers really care that much about balance. So I would go, to, I would expect to see Ben Roethlisberger come out and throw it a bunch because they're feeling good about the way he plays. The real key becomes Ben's played great recently. He looks back to the guy who could lead this team to a Super Bowl if he needed to. But the key is, 
Can he continue to do that against a good defense that has been good in the red zone that he has typically, lately anyway, not really played that well against? You know, like I said, Wood is a big mistake, but not really played that well against him. And Cincinnati's defense, that's been a pretty good unit all season long, right? Yeah, it's been steady. There's been some inconsistencies for sure, but overall, uh, the Bengals' defense has been their bright spot because even when the offense has struggled, the offense has put them in tough spots, they found a way. There's been times, John, where the defense has played twice the snaps of the offense and just been on right. the field and on the field because the offense would just go three and out and three and out, and they've still made plays. Now, they've bent not the, the bend, not break philosophy, something they've, they've lived by a lot this year. To me, that, that's obviously key if you can force the Steelers to field goals when they are in the red zone. But the one thing they struggle with is, is forcing turnovers. And, and they did it. They won the game against Indy with a tip by Carlos Dunlap, pick six, mm-hmm. a great play by him. They need something like that, I think, on defense to beat these better teams because I just don't think they're going to get enough on offense. If if the Bengals' offense scores 20 on Monday, the offense alone, I, I would be surprised. So, so if you're not yep. going to get to 20 in the NFL, you need help elsewhere. Uh, against Denver, the the defense set them up with a, a one yard touchdown on offense and a forty four yard touchdown drive. They, they need stuff like that to happen. And, and when this defense has forced turnovers, the offense has cashed in. They just haven't done it a, a ton this season. Right, and and no real significant injuries for either of these teams right now. I mean, I think there's some guys banged up that you don't want to see banged up, but I wouldn't say that there's anything you know deadly or anything like that for these two teams. Uh, although. You know, Ryan Chazier and Mike Mitchell not practicing for the Steelers right now. I think both seem like they're probably going to play. It sounded like I think they're just giving them an extra day off, and then they'll probably practice tomorrow. Uh, we'll see Juju Smith-Schuster back in practice for them. Bengals have a couple guys banged up, too. But the big the big name for the Steelers, Joe, Joe Hayden, uh, with the fibula, is going to be out maybe the rest of the regular season. He says he'll be back for playoffs. Um, you know, So maybe it's the rest of the regular season for Joe Hayden. But Right now, as it stands, these two teams, the thing that the, the biggest weakness maybe across the board between the two teams is the Steelers secondary right now. Not necessarily because they're getting gashed every game. It's just that they're giving up big plays. They can't stop giving up big plays down the field. Uh, I know the Bengals aren't maybe the most big play explosive team in the league, but wouldn't you think with the amount of vertical balls the teams have hit on the Steelers in the last couple of weeks, the amount of deep shots the teams have hit, um, the amount of times they've blown coverages down the field. I mean, this is a team that's given up 50, 60, 70-yard touchdowns each of the last three weeks, multiple times a game. Um, they're getting gashed down the field because those corners are undisciplined on the outside without Joe Hayden. Do you think this is an opportunity for the Bengals to get John Ross oh, out there? You went there. And... <laughs> you went there. <laughs> I had to go there. I had to go there. Oh. What's up, man? He and A.J. Green. Oh. Get him I... down the field. I mean, I wish, John. I wish. I'm like... <laughs> I don't understand what the hell they're doing down there. Like, even if yeah. let's just say John Ross is stupid and can't read the playbook, which I don't believe, but let's just say he has no clue what he's doing. Right. Why not just send him out there and have him run deep and and just exactly. see see if you're right a coverage <laughs> breakdown because the season's on the line. I I don't know. I don't know if it's a a mixture of things with John Ross, but until he's like honestly, I don't think he'll be active on Monday, and uh. I don't think he'll be active the next week. And I'm not sure I'll be active the next week. And from what I've heard, that that's just going to be it until they're officially eliminated from the playoffs. And I don't know what he did. I, I just, to me, the Bengals' offense isn't that complicated. I've had conversations with John Ross, and he's a pretty intelligent guy. And you right. watched him more than I did. 
and, yeah. and I'm really high on it. You watch him more than I did. He is explosive. True or false? Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. And they and don't, I don't use think him. He's amazing. I don't think he's like an all-around number one star receiver. And I thought the Bengals probably overdrafted him a little bit, but it becomes ridiculous at this point. You know, like he's going to make mistakes. Rookies are going to make mistakes. Get him off the field because they're going to do things that'll make up for it. And I have no doubt that Ross will. He's just not getting any opportunities to do so. Yeah, like it's just it's unreal to me that. And I talked with Brandon LaFell on the podcast yesterday, but they're throwing screen passes to Brandon LaFell. Yeah. Like, really? Like, that? You you think Mike Tomlin right now, tomorrow, the next, all week, he's not going to be worried about Brandon LaFell catching a screen pass or a deep ball. They threw a deep ball to Brandon LaFell last week against the Browns. Oh, that's an incomplete nine times out of nine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I know I'm being mean. I'm not really trying to be mean to LaFell, but that's just not what he is. And, right. And not at all. And right now, how did you? Because you're obviously into the draft. By the way, this is a locked on Bengals, locked on Steelers crossover. What What did you think of Josh Malone coming out? Because he's getting a lot more snaps, way more run for the Bengals, and he had two catches in November. And I like his game. I think he's a good compliment. But but I don't see why he would be active over Ross when neither one contributes on special teams. Yeah, I have no idea why he'd be active over Ross. I mean, Ross has world-class speed. You just can't teach that. And I think there's things Ross could do better with his game, but he's a better all-around player than Malone. So I, I don't know what's going on there. I don't know if Ross upset, uh, you know, Marvin Lewis in some way, or maybe there was an effort thing. And Maybe he ate his sandwich no or something, and he, he couldn't get past it, or so like a special sandwich. Maybe. Uh, the Steelers <laughs> used to be the same way with rookies. Now they're not at all anymore, it doesn't seem like, but... Yeah, it used to be the same way with them, and now, I mean, not quite to that extent, maybe, but um, a lot of teams are. I mean, look at Arizona. They didn't play Buda Baker most of the year. Oh, he's so good, he's by the way. One of their, yeah, he's one of their best players. I'm like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what were you doing? I think teams are just hesitant to trust those guys a lot, but the John Ross situation's on another level almost where you're not even active. You're not doing anything. You know, that, I, I, don't, I have no idea. It's confusing. It's hard to understand. Yeah, it is. By the way, Baker, I, I thought Cleveland should have taken him over Peppers. Agree or disagree? Sorry, I'm going off. Oh, of yes. Yeah, I, okay. I didn't I had Baker was a top 10 player for me, and Peppers was a third rounder. So <laughs> I was, yeah, I, I didn't get that. I one. don't get it either. And now, now they yeah. have to play Peppers 50 yards off the ball so he can make it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and, anyways, yeah, I don't I don't know what the Ross thing, to, to me, like you're seeing it, but, but ultimately, if Marvin Lewis's job's on the line, which a lot of people think it is. I believe it is. Mm-hmm. He clearly doesn't trust Ross for one reason or another. So maybe it's on John, and we just don't know. We're just not at practice. I, that, that, that's what it comes right. down to. It's just amazing to me, looking at what he did in college and, and watching him, that, that they can't use that when that's exactly what this offense still needs and has been missing since Marvin Jones left. Right. Right. Yeah, it's huge. And if you're a coach, I mean, you know, maybe John Ross did something here or there, but if you're a coach, this guy was drafted not for him to sit on the bench or to be inactive. He was drafted to make an impact. And it's your job to get him there so he can make an impact. So, you know, obviously there are rare exceptions where a player is just totally incapable. I do not think at all that's what we're dealing with with John Ross. And to be at this point in the season and not been able to get him on the field, to me, that's an indictment of Mark Lewis more than anybody else. So I don't think he'd be in that situation with really – maybe any of the other 31 teams in the NFL. So in, in I the, think that's kind of the situation we're looking at. And in, in, in to tie it into Pittsburgh with Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, he's having big play. I know he's a little dinged up right now, but making plays opposite Antonio Brown, a lot of people liked him coming out. I don't think anyone 
would have expected him to be that. I mean, because he's kind of replaced Martavis Bryant in the lineup a bit. And uh, yeah. is he healthy? This like not healthy, but is yeah. he going to play this week? Yeah, he fully practiced the last couple of days, so gotcha. he should be good to go. I thought you said that. Yeah, I don't think many people expected him to be the best rookie wide receiver. I mean, he's oh, been God. clearly that, but but at the same time, there's been a lot of injury. You know, Corey Davis and uh, Mike Williams and then J- like John Ross has barely played. Both Davis and Williams were banged up. Carlos Anderson hasn't played all year for uh, Denver, so there's been other issues too with different receivers. But at the same time, that shouldn't take away from the fact that Smith Schuster's been awesome. Uh, the Steelers receivers made a bunch of mistakes when he wasn't, he wasn't in the game last week against Green Bay. And, you know, give Brian and Rogers credit. They ended up overcoming those and both made key plays during the game. But the inconsistencies with everybody else are so obvious. I mean, Rogers and, and Brian are just such inconsistent players. Both have the ability to make awesome plays. Both are just not reliable and, and far too inconsistent. And Ben trusts A.B. in almost any situation. He can't do that with either of those guys. But he's getting there with Juju. And I think that's huge for this offense to have another guy that Ben trusts as much as he trusts uh, Antonio Brown. And uh, he and Antonio Brown, he said it before, it's obvious, they have a special connection. When they get in two-minute offense, he said they just do their thing. You know, that's, those two are just, uh, it's unbelievable what they've been able to establish. But at the same time, if he can find that with Juju, and I think he's come close to finding that with Juju, he, hasn't, he never found that with Marcus Wheaton. He never really found that with so many other guys that have been through Pittsburgh. If he can find that with another guy like he's found it with Antonio Brown, I think that makes a world of difference in the Steelers' offense. I went as far so far as to say that before the other night in Green Bay, the way that Ben had played, the fact that the running game had been inconsistent, the offensive line had been inconsistent, I thought Juju Smith-Schuster was the Steelers' second most valuable player of the season outside of Antonio Brown based on the way that he played this year because he made so many BT big plays for that team in, in massive situations where they needed to win games. He was the guy stepping up and getting things done. So he's been great for Pittsburgh, and he's making it, more difficult for teams just to focus on Antonio Brown. It's great to see a, a team use its uh, its rookie commodity that they they drafted and uh, and clearly <laughs> invested a pick in. He was a third round pick, right? Uh, he was a late second round. Late pick. second round. He okay. was like one of the last picks in the second round. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha, John. So yeah, let's let's dive in. So I feel like the Steelers are going to win. Uh, j- just getting into Monday, it's just it's going to be close. But even if the Bengals are up or they're down by one possession and they get the ball downfield, I could see a missed field goal or a fumble or something because that's what it seems to always happen. It always seems to be close, but 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 just not good enough with the Marvin-Andy combo against the Steelers. Uh, I got the Steelers by one possession. I'll say six or seven points. Uh, what, what say you? I'm going with the Bengals. Uh, I just think that this is a matchup. Pittsburgh's really dominated, like I said, 8-9 to nine, uh, on the win-loss column. But I just, I think eventually not really playing that well is going to catch up with Pittsburgh. They can't continue to get all the breaks and all the turnovers. and That's typically not how these things work. And I think Cincinnati's calmed themselves a little bit after the early season storms. And I still don't think they ultimately make the playoffs. But I think that they come into this game, play well enough, and it's Pittsburgh that makes one or two turnovers or mistakes that they shouldn't make. And Steelers have kind of been sloppy recently, and I think maybe it catches up to them this week. Uh, you know, it wouldn't obviously surprise me if the Steelers win, but I'm <laughs> trying to pick when the Steelers commit those sloppy mistakes to the degree that it takes to get them a loss. Yeah. It's very difficult to do because they play the same way most weeks. It's just a break here or there, you know, whether they win or lose. But um, I think this is one of the weeks. I think they lose this one. He's John Ledyard. I'm James Erpine. Man, I hope you're right. <laughs> because if not, the season's over for the Bengals. 
But uh, any yeah. any last? Uh, obviously, you you'll probably have you write for Locked On Steelers. You have a ton of work probably between now and and mm-hmm. when when people are going to listen. So where where should all your listeners find you? Yeah, you, I mean, you can always check out after the game. I'll have really thoughts on um, on Steel City Insider Scout dot com. the subscription site there, and we uh, have some pretty good stuff uh, up on the game. And then we'll do the All Twenty Two wrap up as well. And then we'll keep talking next week on the show. Locked on Steelers Love uh, podcast, either Monday night or Tuesday morning, whatever time you're awake when I finish it. Um, have a podcast up for you guys, and then probably one on Wednesday and Thursday as well. Eventually moving into the next next week's game after the Bengals game uh, because Steelers got a couple couple big ones coming up that we got to talk about so that's what will be coming up uh, next on lockdown Steelers. what's crazy to me and i'll leave you with this is it's more likely that the bengals win and i don't think it's likely but it's more likely the bengals win than their healthy fresh ninth overall pick that addresses a need uh than it than him being activist it's more likely that they right. actually win <laughs> isn't that ridiculous in in december yeah. It's the epitome of the season, I feel like. <laughs> yes, it has. He's John Ledyard. I'm James Rapine. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast extended. But a lot of great insight from John Ledyard. By the way, follow him on Twitter, uh, on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. We'll have him on during draft season. It's not draft time yet, though. But it could be Tuesday morning if the Bengals lose to the Steelers on Monday. Boy, oh boy. You guys, have a great weekend. If you're listening to this on Monday morning, enjoy the game tonight. As always, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't, Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app if you haven't yet. Also, Megaphone. No more audio boom. Just a reminder, we're on Megaphone. Check out LockedOnBengals.com. I'll have an article up hopefully soon about uh, what to look for on on Monday and what I'm looking for from the Bengals and then recapping the Bengals win or loss as well. If you missed any of the podcast last uh, yesterday I talked to Brandon LaFell, talked to Trey Hopkins. Check that out. Check out the rest of the week's podcast and until it'll be Tuesday when we do our recap for better or worse with Joe Goodberry. I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast. 